welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. My name's Paul Joy and I'm your host as together we're going to sit down together today and have another conversation with a Yarra old grammarian, a yog. And wherever you're listening from today, I want to thank you for tuning in. And I'm delighted to be able to have the opportunity today to sit down with Doug Fryer from the class of 1984. Now, at the time of recording, Doug was still in the role of the Assistant Commissioner for Road Policing, Victoria. And uh, in that role, he had access to information and some of it uh, not necessarily the type of text messages and uh, information that you would want to hear necessarily, but he took his role very, very seriously and uh, was an outstanding um, law enforcement officer and one who uh, played a significant role in reducing the, the road toll, the death toll on our roads here in Victoria. It's a fascinating interview and, uh, and I'm really excited to share this with you today. So let's get into it. At the end of our episode today, I'm going to share with you some opportunities for you to stay in touch and uh, to learn more about um, Inspired by Yarra and the YOG community and how to stay in touch. But for now, I just want to launch into this podcast with Doug Fryer from the class of 1984. Here it is. G'day, Paul. Uh, Doug Fryer is my name. I'm the Assistant Commissioner for Road Policing for uh, for Victoria. So uh, my role is really uh, in charge of road policing and all things road safety for Victoria, um, the public spokesperson for it. Uh, so all road safety initiatives, uh, the enforcement activity, uh, the road death is something uh, that I get an SMS on every single time it happens. Uh, and at the moment, that's 231 times this year. And part of my role is to advocate uh, for all initiatives around road safety. You've got a big <clears> job. You know what? It's, it's a really rewarding job. If we get it right, we actually save lives. And uh, I suppose that's the basis of what I joined the force for. And um, and it was a long time ago. I joined just after I finished HSC um, in 84. So I joined in 85. I had my 19th birthday in the academy. And um, yeah, I've been in here over more than half my life now. So uh, it's it's part of what I do. Um, the road safety stuff is really interesting. We just see far too much trauma and death on our roads, and I think we can all make a difference. Are you winning the fight? We are winning the fight. You know, we uh, you look at the data, and even the data from in the 80s, uh, our road death back then was in the, you know, probably 500s. Um, 1970 I use a lot. We had 1,061 deaths, and there was only 3 million in Victoria. Now we've got 6 million, and our death rate is about 250 a year. So we really are making headway, and... People always discuss is zero possible. Uh, for me, it is, but we can't do it alone, and it's not around safety. Uh, sorry, it's not around enforcement only. It's around um, understanding that people always make mistakes on the road. You've set yourself some uh, some tall targets there, um, zero, zero uh, deaths on our roads in Victoria, and, and it's certainly something to be striving for. You've got a 30-second brag. What what things are working for you right now? What's What are some things that you've implemented recently that you're really, really pleased to, to report back on? So we're really pleased. Uh, so my highway patrol in Victoria Police, we've got about 220 highway patrol cars. In the next two years, every single one of those will have automated number plate recognitions. They scan 350 plates an hour. So we'll be identifying unlawful road users we lead the nation, we lead the world in our drug testing regime. Um, we were the first in the world to bring in randomised breath testing and we were the first in the world to bring in seatbelts in Victoria. 
So we really are leaders around road safety in Victoria. We lead the nation uh, in our death rate per 100,000, although it is still far too high. Um, when I look at the numbers, 1970, we had over a 1,000 dead. Uh, this year, it'll be around 240. Um, you know, in my lifetime, I think that we'll get to zero if I live for another 40 years. Well, that's exciting, and we hope you do, and we hope you succeed in that uh, that ambitious but very important uh, goal that you've got. You mentioned before and and about you receive an SMS um, so far in 2017, 231 times, every time there is a death on our road in, Austro- in Victoria. Um, I just want to touch for a moment on mobile phones and cars and the distraction that that is and and you know what how does that complicate your work and and what what message would you have about mobile phones and driving it's incredible paul and it's why we're so busy today because of the front page of the herald sun there's a significant article about technology to to uh, identify that but last year alone uh, my organization gave out about 28,000 tickets for mobile phone use the bit that concerns me we've got four and a half million drivers in Victoria. Um, surveys say that about 60% of those admit using their mobile phone while driving. That's over 2 million people. Um, we've got a population that are just obsessed with connectivity, uh, the need to be connected to their friends and associates. A lot of that's through social messaging and emails, etc. The offending type has changed. So it used to be mobile phone to the ear. Now it's mobile phone in the lap. Uh, so, you know, they're texting and their social messaging uh, which is far more dangerous. The message for me, we've already had road death this year directly related to mobile phone use. Um, what we know is a car on a country road at 100 kilometres travels 27 metres a second. Responding to an SMS is going to take three or four seconds. It's 100 metres without looking where you're going at 100k, um, and we're continuing to see people in the country overrepresented in road death, and certainly some of that is through distraction, and they always find the gum tree. Goodness me, they're, they're compelling facts that you've got 27 metres a second. And as you say, three to four seconds, you've travelled more than 100 metres at 100 kilometres an hour. You're going to come off second best. Now, we've had 139 deaths on the, on our country roads this year out of our, out of our 231. So, you know, we're 41 under at the same time last year, which is good, but the country where you're not seeing this abate and, the discussion for me, you said, you know, before, you know, what is it, the message you want to get out? And surround driving to the conditions. That posted default speed limit of 100 kilometres is not the recommended. It's the maximum. And depending on your skill, the vehicle condition, the road condition, dust, dawn, weather, storm, uh, all of that, uh, people need to drive to the conditions. And tragically, we're seeing that a lot of people are not and they're being seriously injured or, or killed because of it. Yeah, it's it's tragic, and and look, we're we're leading towards uh, a time of holiday period, and there's a lot more people on the roads, and and perhaps driving in 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 areas that they're not used to driving in, maybe for at times of the day that they're not used to driving, um, for distances that they're not used to driving. What what's a warning that you might have for holiday drivers? You know what we forecast every day, so every day I know where the target's going to be by the end of the year, and as of today, um, our target. Um, our, stat, our statisticians tell us that we'll have 248 deaths this year. So that tells me that there's another 17 to come and there is no one who wakes up and thinks they're not going to make it home. No one uh, through road trauma. So all I say and all I ask is that everyone um, do one thing, focus on where you've got to get to and do it safely. The idea that you'd be on your mobile phone 
or be distracted by other activities. We're seeing, still seeing a lot of people either using drugs and then driving or drinking and driving. And, you know, I'm not the moral police, but I do encourage and want people to separate the behaviours of uh, either using drugs or drinking and then getting behind the wheel, just separate the behaviours and catch an Uber or a cab. Um, so uh, it is a time where we want everyone at the Christmas table. We do want to see them there for New Year's. Everyone's just got to take care and be there for their loved ones. Some of the statistics and the, the stories that you're sharing are, are giving me goosebumps, and, and they're not, not happy goosebumps. I've got to tell you, it's uh, as you say, just even right now, you your statistics are telling you that between now and Christmas Day, there'll be 17 more deaths on our road. And and again, as you say, people don't leave for work in the morning or or leave to go out to a party thinking that they're not going to come home, and yet 17 of them are not going to make it home. And sadly, our last our last was uh, yesterday. We had a 27-year-old woman, and ironically from Croydon, um, out in your stomping ground uh, down in Warrandyte, another fatal crash. People don't expect it, and you ask people what the appropriate number is, or I mentioned zero, and people scoff at that, then ask the question, so which one of your family members are you prepared to lose? And the answer is clearly none. Um, so we need to personalise this message of road trauma, and I, I deal with a lot of families that have lost loved ones, and I can say whether it was last year or 10 years ago, the loss of that person in their life and even in the community is a piece of a puzzle that can never be put back together and the ripple effect of road trauma really is quite significant. We're speaking today with the Assistant Commissioner Doug Fryer from the class of 1984 here at Yarra Valley Grammar. Doug, I wonder if we can go back now some 30 plus years ago, let's call it that, and uh, tell us a little bit about what Yarra Valley Grammar was like when you were here at school. You know what, I, I had a great time at, at Yarra Valley. I lived locally. I was in Warrenwood. Um, part of it's now Croydon Hills. That was only just starting to be developed. But, um, you know, I can still remember we had George Wood as the, um, as the principal. We had Les Christie as the vice principal. Um, you know, Annie Rag as the graphics teacher. Um, Lambert as the English teacher. So all these names still come back to me. I'm still pretty tight with probably half a dozen of the guys I went to school with and see them regularly, but it really was a, an enjoyable time. Um, you know, it was pretty simple. We didn't have mobile phones back then. Uh, it was just kids being kids. But what I suppose, Paul, what it, and it took me probably a couple of decades to realise this, the grounding that Yarra Valley gave me as a young kid prepared me for adulthood. And you don't really get that as a kid. You don't understand the opportunity that you get. Um, but it, it takes some time whilst moving into adulthood to, to really appreciate uh, the opportunity of being taught by good teachers and knocking around with good kids. So for me, it really did prepare me uh, for adulthood. It, it's so true. And in, in, in a place like Yarra prides itself on preparing our young people for life after school and, and, and a life of adulthood. Um, while you were here at school, did you have a, a favourite place, uh, uh, whether it was on the on the stage was it out on the sports fields was it in the in the art studio was it dare I say sitting outside the principal's office where was where was a, a favorite place at Yarra well for a little bit of time if I was candid Paula to be down on the back hockey oval where we all went to smoke um or on the scoreboard on the top oval and sitting on that but um that was a long time ago but you know what, I, I suppose with my sporting there, I did a little bit of footy in my last year. I played uh, rugby, and I think you guys are still running rugby union there. 
Um, I'm not sure if you are, but um, for me, it was a, a camaraderie uh, with my year level. I came there in, I think it was in uh, year eight and through to HSC. And, you know, the friendships that I formed there still exist now. And I still have people um, through Yarra Valley reaching out through LinkedIn and other social um, networks. So it, it really is a robust and um, deep sort of network of people who went to that school. And you know what? I look around at the people that I went to school with, even, even above and below the year I was in, there are so many of them that have done so well for themselves and active in community, you know, really good community leaders. Um, and for me, Yarra Valley, in hindsight, I didn't know it then, prepared me, um, you know, to really be a valued member of the community. Who were the, what was the crowd? Who were the people that you did hang around with? You know, was it, uh, were you, uh, in the library? Were you studying? Were you out on the sports field? Who were, who was the crowd that you used to hang with and, and what impact has that had on you, perhaps on, even on the work that you do now? You know what? It's, um, so I, I certainly wasn't part of the library crowd. I know that. And even, and, and even, so by the age of 16, I knew what I wanted to do for work. So at the age of 16, I was committed to doing what I was doing, but I really was probably a, um, a bit of a rat bag, I suppose, at school. I, I hung around with the lads and, um, you know, whilst I joked about being down the back smoking, I was. And, <laughs> you know, in, in HSC, I was driving for the last four months. Um, and it was just a different era back then, but all of the people who I still see now, um, we're really diverse in, what we do, you know, I've got, you know, one of my best mates, he's up in Kununurra, um, Craig Dobson, he was in my year, um, you know, running a significant uh, primary production up there. You know, I've got mates running their own business. So we're all doing things really different. But what we've all done is had probably, you know, a really good life and we continue to provide value to the community. Um, so for me, yeah, that was a, a large part in preparation by Yarra Valley. Um in teaching us uh, to to do the right thing, it's it's somewhat ironic, I have to say, though, Doug, that you're a rat bag while you're at school, bringing <coughs> some sense of trauma to your teachers who are doing their best, and now here you are, the assistant commissioner for road policing in Victoria. It's it's somewhat ironic. So what I'd like to do, Paul, and I've never done this. I think I need to apologise <laughs> for the trauma that I caused um, all of the teachers when I was there from about eighty one to eighty four. Um, but you know what? There's some great teachers there. Um, even like the, my, my rugby uh, coach then was Norm Mags, and I think that you've got a pavilion down there named after him. But, you know, that I still remember after probably 32 years the names of most of my teachers is probably a recognition of how much impact they had on me. It is. That's very significant. And and there's no doubt, as you've you've alluded to, school has a significant impact on the development of your character, on the values that you hold true. When you think of Yarra and the bigger picture of Yarra, what what stands out to you? Um, it, it really is going back to what we're saying. It's a it's around preparing uh, young people uh, for adulthood. Um, so it's not just around uh, the academic component of it, and it wasn't for me. So um, whilst I've gone on to do further tertiary studies, that. You know, that was only relatively recently that I've done that. But it wasn't just academia for me and uh, getting me into university. It was um, holistically preparing us for the future and to step out into the big wide world. 
And I think that the school uh, has done that. And um, for me, that that really is one of the principles of um, sophisticated education is preparing our kids for the future, not just to get them um, an ATAR score to get them into uni, but it's a lot it's a lot more than that. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's the the whole person, and uh, and and you're quite right. Preparing for the future. You, you mentioned that at about age 16, you knew that you wanted to get into policing. What was it that was the catalyst to to drive you toward that? So I think it was the diversity of the role, and um, like this organisation, I joined in '85, as I said. You don't know from one minute to the next of what you're going to walk into, and the opportunities within this organisation are really significant. And I look at I look at my career at the moment, uh, the role that I've got is quite high profile. I do all the media for Victoria Police around the roads. But as I've progressed through, um, you know, I've experienced uh, so many opportunities in this role. So as a, as a constable in the 80s, I worked at Collingwood. I was a detective in Camberwell for about six years, a sergeant at Carlton, um, a detective sergeant at our drug squad, Senior Sergeant Broadmeadows, I ran the drug squad as an inspector um, and as a detective superintendent I ran the, I created the bikey task force of what's now the ECHO task force and ran the investigation into the murder of Carl Williams. Um, and, but uh, throughout and I was a commander of Intel, the commander of our crime command and the commander of the southern region which had 2,300 staff. But what, what it's done, the opportunity uh, to travel, I've done significant travel. So this year alone, I've been through Europe and the Americas on road safety. I was in Canada in uh, presenting over there on our drug initiatives in Victoria to the Canadian law enforcement. Um, been through Vietnam, uh, Bali and others around organised crime. Uh, I was with the DEA three years ago around organised crime. So, you know, law enforcement is not defined by borders anymore. It used to be. So our national footprint and our international footprint and Victoria Police's standing within it is quite significant. So it's it's um, you certainly do have a ringside seat to the greatest show on earth in this job, and um, I've loved every minute of it. Um, we were speaking uh, on a previous episode of Inspired by Yarra with uh, a former student, a Yarra old grammarian, Charlotte McDonald from the class of 2013, and. Uh, the day after we were speaking with her, she was about to go and start um, in uniform out on the beach. She had been through the academy and she had graduated and she was uh, getting ready for her first day. And I think she was on traffic uh, for a period of a rotation of a couple of months, maybe. Um, what has she got to look forward to in her career in uh, with Victoria Police? You know, well, that's interesting. So every uh, person who graduates from the academy come to the drug and alcohol buses to do a couple of months and um, they come under me. So ironically, she spent some time working for me. But, um, you know, what what all of the young police coming through want to do is hit the ground running, uh, get in get in the div vans, do some proper policing. Um, but then the opportunity is so broad, you know, whether it's to start riding motorbikes, um, you know, be a detective, work in family violence, work in counterterrorism, um, the opportunities are endless. And uh, I suppose that's one of the attractions is, you know, we're, we're an organisation of 18,000 and uh, there are so many different uh, angles and activities they can do. It's like, a, you know, you can choose your career within a career. 
one of the things that she was particularly looking forward to was she termed it as proactive policing um, in terms of being part of the community and, and being a positive impact on the community. Because sometimes I think police get a, a bit of a bad name, a bit of a bad rap, that it's reactive and, and that we're sort of going in after the fact. I wonder if you can talk a moment around um, proactive policing and, and, you know, building better better relationships with the community. So so our, our police and our members see the worst of the worst. They really do. They go to, to every um, significant injury, every death, every road death. And, and that is hard on not just the community, but it's really hard on our members. But the proactive initiatives of working with other stakeholders and working with communities is really what it's all about. Um, we can never make the community um, as safe as they can be without community input. So our whole structure is around um, connecting to others. Uh, so I look at my my role now, my partnerships with Vic Roads, with TAC, with Road Trauma Support Groups, uh, with the Police Minister, um, Roads Minister, Justice and others. Uh, we just can't do it alone. So all of us combine together to deliver a package that serves the community around delivering them um, a safe system. But and, and that's replicated right through our organisation. So whether it's in family violence or community policing, uh, it's all around understanding what the community want, what they need, and how we can deliver it together. Commenting on your own journey and your own life, and and presumably career might have something to do with it. But I wonder whether you can talk to us about the word success. What does success mean to you? That's a it's a really good question and. People go, well, you must be really ambitious because you're an assistant commissioner. And for me, uh, a lot of that is just right time, right place. And, you know, if people work hard and, you know, people talk about getting themselves a sponsor. Well, you don't get yourself a sponsor for me. So sponsorship is a misnomer. Uh, people above you see good things. So when people work hard and you do it well, people will recognise that and provide you with opportunity. Um for me, a measure of success, and you mentioned it before, if I can have an impact on making Victoria safer than what they are right now, then I've been successful in what I do. One of my current challenges and pushes right through the community and with government is what are the appropriate speed limits on country roads? You know, is 100 appropriate? And for me, um, in a number of cases, it is simply not. So we look at a dirt road in the country, the default's 100, but so is Eastlink. And, you know, I don't need to go through the, the disparity between the two. Uh, you can't have a head-on on the East Link. You can't run off-road. It's well lit. Animals can't get on because of cyclone fencing. But uh, 100k dirt roads um, have gum trees lining them, and we lose seven people a year on them. So um, for me, uh, a measure of success for me is advocating for road safety and getting legs behind it and getting some changes. Very conscious of your time, and I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. You 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 spoke briefly about your travels and 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 Europe and so forth. I've not necessarily travelled there, but there are places in the world where there is no speed limit. There are autobahns where you can drive as fast as you like. I wonder whether you can comment on that, based on what you've just talked about, and and whether it's about driving conditions, road conditions, and so on. So part of the challenge, and probably some of the best in the world, are countries like Sweden when you look at their death rate. So our death rate in Victoria per 100,000 at the moment is 3.87, uh, but uh, in Sweden it's 2.1. But there is not a road in Sweden in the country areas uh, that um, that is over 80 kilometres an hour unless 
it's got a solid bollard or divide up the middle. So you simply can't have a head-on. And part of our challenge is a head-on at 100k is 95% chance of death. A head-on at 70k is 10% chance. So the Swedes have identified that a long time ago. They've dropped their rural speed limits and they only come up if there are road treatments that divide cars and um, make sure they can't have head-ons. So um, the reality is the one single factor that will determine the level of uh, injury in every single crash will be the speed at which you hit. So that's why speed reduction and appropriate speed is so important. When you're driving, do you always do the right thing? You know what? I try to do the right thing all the time now, Paul, and I can say years gone by, uh, I probably, and, and I wasn't as cognizant as what I was, but now that I see the impacts of distraction, speed and others, I absolutely try to do the right thing. So uh, certainly no mobile phone use for me. Uh, certainly touching the phone, I don't. And I'm constantly aware of my speed as well. So um, it took some time to learn it and it took uh, really to see the impact of what those sort of decisions have on other people uh, to change my way. To those of you who are listening to this, you might be driving uh, as we speak. Don't touch that mobile phone. You've heard it here from the Assistant Commissioner for Road Policing in Victoria, Doug Fryer. From the class of 1984, we thank you so much for your time. I wonder just two or three quick questions before we wrap it up. Um, You talked about ambition before, and, and I have in my mind at least that your journey has required some self-discipline. I wonder if there's a habit or a rhythm or a routine that you have established in your life that has helped you to continue to progress forward. Paul, so for me, um, this this is a marathon and it can't be a race. So you need to prepare yourself. For me, it's physically. So every morning of a, of a working week, uh, I exercise every morning. My routine is quarter to four up. Uh, to the gym, to exercise, to get to the office. So, you know, to have a, you know, a session of maybe an hour of any type of fitness, uh, for me, it prepares me really well for the upcoming day. So, uh, that works for me. It's really important to understand when you're starting to get frazzled and you need to reach out to others when you do. So, yeah, we're not an island and you've got friends and family around you, uh, that should life get hard that you need to reach out and talk to them. Some tremendous advice there. I have one final uh, idea to pose to you and to get your comments on. When you were here at school, our school motto, Lavavi Oculus, it means I lift up my eyes. If I give that term to you now, what does that mean to you now? You know what? I, I, I turn that into a phrase that I like to use, and that's to walk taller and slower. Um, walk tall, walk slower, um, you know, you really want to see beyond the forest to what's ahead. So, you know, it's important to have vision. It's important to strategize about where you want to go and how you're going to get there. But, you know what, when we start off and we're young and we're eager, it's a race. And for me, I think that I've learned, not totally, um, because I go, I move quite quickly in what I do, but I, I think I've learned to walk taller and walk slower and really, you know, provide, um, some guidance to others around how we're going to, um, you know, end the journey. Doug Fryer, from the class of 1984, we really appreciate the time that you've given us today uh, here on our podcast, Inspired by Yarra. We thank you and uh, we commit to uh, not touching our phone while we're driving, to sticking within the speed limit, to 
walking taller and walking slower. Thank you very much for your time. Paul, can I say I'm closing? I apologise to all of the teachers from about 81 to 84, uh, but I'm a better person because of them. And on that note, let's say goodbye. Keep safe. Bye now. Well done. Thank you, Doug. Well, there you have it. Wow, we travelled some journey in that conversation and I hope that you found it challenging at times and intriguing and uh, and quite entertaining too. He's a, a wonderful man and he's been a great servant to our state. Um, since that recording, I've recently heard that Doug is, uh, is about to retire from the police force and he's looking to pursue other areas um, with another uh, large organisation in a, in a very different role, but, but still out on the roads, or at least his company, his organisation that is uh, joining, uh, I believe in Lynn Fox, is, uh, still has um, some work to do on road safety, I dare say, and, uh, and still closely related to uh, transporting goods and people out on those roads. But a fascinating man and, uh, and great contributor to not only the YOG community, um, but indeed the wider community. If you are a YOG, we'd encourage you to stay uh, connected. And there's a, a variety of ways to do that and uh, certainly launched from the Yarra Valley Grammar School website, which is at yvg.vic.edu.au. Or if you're on LinkedIn, we would encourage you to see if you could join, find Yarra Valley Grammar, and uh, and you'll see that there's a group there called Yarra Old Grammarians Connect, and that is a great way to stay in touch with the wider your community. I hope you'll join us again next time when we bring you another episode with an inspiring yog, a Yarra Old Grammarian, and see how they have not only been an inspiration but also have been inspired by Yarra. To make sure that you don't miss any of our upcoming conversations, you can subscribe in your uh, podcast player via iTunes or Apple Play, and we'd love you to subscribe and share this with other yogs equally. If you are still in touch with a yog or there's a name or a memory that you have of somebody who you think would be interesting as a guest on this podcast, then we'd love you to uh, let us know that as well. And you can do that via the community section in the yvg.vic.edu.au website. I'm Paul Joy and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, I want to wish you another day of inspiration. Wherever you are, get out there, make a positive impact in the world around you. Go get them and have a great day. Bye for now.